it's We've Been Watching with Claire Woodward and David Stevenson. Hello to everyone around the world, wherever you are. Yes, all those people listening for the latest on Meghan and Harry. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and we've got the latest, haven't we? Did you see did you see the very latest Netflix announcement? Oh no, what was that? That was I think it was something out today that you know they're being followed around by cameras. Uh well they're always being followed by cameras, are they? Or being followed by cameras by Netflix. Uh, mm. the, Invic- the Invictus Games and they went to visit uh you know Grandmama, didn't they, at Buckingham Palace. Well, it turns out mm. now that they're changing the film structure and it's going to be a fly on the wall and they're going to go into their house in California, Shock. Oh, no, it's going to be the Kardashians without the enormous bottoms, isn't it? Well, we don't yet know, do we? But, I mean, it's, <laughs> going, to be, it's going to be a slice of that, isn't it? And didn't we talk about that before? I mean, when he originally did the first interview, uh, we thought, oh, this is a bit weird. How can they sustain these massive contracts with the streamers like Netflix? You know, they'll be down among the chickens, or they will be down among the chickens, won't they, eventually? (laughs) It'll be Harry coming out of the bathroom, scratching himself, going, he's breakfast (laughs) ready. Um, The kids are And I mean, mean, as again, we've said before, you know, they've got this massive deal with Spotify as well, and they've put out one podcast. I know. God, what value? They're getting their return. The, the, The Sussexes' return is absolutely brilliant, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, I mean, I'm sure all those um, people who are getting made redundant by Netflix in the States will at least have more time to watch uh, to watch Harry and Meghan's uh, 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 sorry, streaming show. Streaming show, indeed. I mean, there's only one other thing he could do to make it worse, and that's ask Prince Andrew if he'd like to be involved in a fly on the wall series. Well, actually, that would make really good television. I mean, I wonder what the ratings were for his interview with uh, Emily Maitlis. Oh, that was a huge, weren't they? Yeah, Yeah. they were huge, weren't they? I think they're probably sort of six, seven million at least. And that clips, all the clips still get a run. I watched a a fabulous film this week, which is done by Roger Michelle, the film director, who sadly died while he was mixing the sound for it. And it is. a feature film based on all archive of the Queen, and it's absolutely amazing. So I can reveal that exclusively that it's going to be out next Friday, and then not on television as a as a cinema release. So that's quite quite interesting in itself. Oh, that's fantastic! He was a fantastic director. That's really very that's really very sad. But I'd be really interested to see his take on that. It is. I mean, it's sort of structured in chapters, so it's thematically done. So you've got. Um, all shots of her riding horses at one point. There's some lovely old grainy film of her taking what looks like her first ride on a horse, probably Balmoral by the look of it. Um, that's really interesting. And lots of the other stuff as well. I won't give away any of it, but the fact that it's going out in, I think, 300 cinemas and 300 cinemas in France as well. So I don't know what they're going to make of it. That's really interesting. Has it been financed by someone like Canal Clue or someone like that, I wonder? Well, they may be a co-pro partner, but the dear mm. old Amazon Prime are involved in that one, I think, as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, so they're involved in everything now, aren't they? So They are. So shall we start, since we're on the Royals, with the Queen's Jubilee celebration on ITV, I thought, which was a little bit bizarre in a way, because she attends the Royal Windsor Horse Show every year anyway, so they're basically piggybacked their way in there, or side-saddled, let's say. 
<laughs> yes, I mean, I, I just, um, I, I found it one of the more bizarre pieces of um, of television I've seen recently. I mean, I just can't, the one thing I can't get out of my head is A, that the Queen looked so happy, which, you know, good for you, Liz. But also um, they had Tom Cruise on it, who was just effectively promoting his new film. That was awful, wasn't it? I mean, and he was, but he was doing his best to sort of ape the royals, I thought, talking about doing a walkabout on the way to the gig itself across Windsor so people could look at him like he was a royal. It was, that was absolutely bizarre. And the, yeah. the way the way that he was talking about that, then suddenly we went into sort of film promo, didn't we? And they're just talking in such detail about this film. And of course, Schofield and Julia Etchingham absolutely loved it, didn't they? Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, it's all, but I, I just thought it was an absolutely cynical piece of marketing in, in the, you know, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it was in, in any sort of royal programming before. And I know maybe they wanted to, you know, have the program bought by, you know, broadcasters all around the world. Maybe Tom Cruise is a bigger draw than the Queen, but um, left a nasty taste with me, David. No, it did indeed, no, and then also he must have. The, the, the cynic in me thinks that that was the part of the booking for getting him there. As long as I can talk about the film, and it all coincided with the release of the film, so um, uh, there's been. Uh, uh, I hadn't thought of that, David. Oh, you're. I get the feeling there are, there are at least half a dozen PRs uh, sort of peddling very, very furiously underground to get this whole underwater to get this thing worked, and they. I mean. You know, he was full of respect for the whole thing, so you've got to give it to him on that basis. But mm, it was mm. bizarre, though. Um, well, he was no Omid Jalili, was he? No, I mean, Omid, Omid the Herald was something else, wasn't he? <laughs> In that sort yeah, of okay. swishing gown that he was wearing, he looked like the Archbishop. <laughs> oh, yeah, be careful, otherwise the Queen will get confused and she'll think she's being crowned all over again and it's 1953. <laughs> Um, no, that'll come, won't it? <laughs> yes. Oh, bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. But I mean, uh, yeah, what was, I... your, what was your highlight? My highlight was the um, Trinidad and Tobago Defence Force Band doing a rendition of <laughs> Dancing Queen. <laughs> oh, I must have been outside doing something else when they came on, but that sounds amazing. But I mean, it does all sum up, doesn't it? You know, that the, the Queen's probably spent 70 years doing things she doesn't actually want to do. No, indeed. I mean, she looked. She 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 became happier as it went on. I thought, although she, uh, poor old Omid got her Royal Highness confused with Her Majesty and got them round the wrong way, and um, but she waved it off, sort of shrugged it off, which was good to see. Yeah, well, she probably think I've been doing this seventy years. You know, I can be a bit more laissez-faire, and then Charles can take over. But she did get visibly moved when, you know, Prince Philip's carriage driven by her granddaughter came on. So that was a that was a real ah moment. Indeed. Um, I mean, there's nothing like a horse carriage to get the royals going, is there, really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, isn't it funny? You know, she did, doesn't shed a tear over very much, but she shed a tear over that. And when uh, Britannia got scrapped, she shed a tear over that. So she's yeah, quite absolutely. hard, isn't it? It's, yeah, she is indeed. Well, I mean, what I suppose this has kicked off the Platinum Jubilee TV season in a way, hasn't it? I mean, because they're not doing the main party ITV, they they had their own party a, a good week early, didn't they? 
Mm. And I mean, I, I, I'm, I wasn't excited about uh, the ITV party, and I'm certainly not excited about the Jubilee concert either at Buckingham Palace. And and in this, I feel um, me and me and the Queen have have that in common. We're not really <laughs> looking forward to seeing the gig outside Buckingham Palace. I bet she'll be at Windsor for the weekend, or she'll be sitting in Buckingham Palace waving a bit with cotton wool in her ears. It might be funny. She might say, "No, I'm going to watch it on the TV." <laughs> <laughs> she might come down and sing. That would be fantastic. You know, do a bit of stuff with Guy Garvey from Elbow. It would be great. We'd like all that. That would be really, that would be really good. Yeah, we'll I mean, that's... Out, I think... is, Sorry. Is it, undig- is it undignified to give it any stars, the... Um... The well, Jubilee. it's a bit odd, isn't it? We'll go, no, I'll, give it, I'll give it four stars, I think, for, for, for what it is, a combination of sort of pomp, circumstance and horse carriages. Yeah, and I would give it three stars because it just veered too much towards light entertainment uh, for me. And um, and yeah, and you know, bring bring back the pomp and circumstance of the BBC. I say. Indeed. Well, let's move on to something far more modern, not a horse carriage in sight, and that's the Chris and Rosie Ramsey show, which is basically taking a podcast and turning it into a TV show or not turning it into a TV show, as I thought. Yes. Uh, I mean, I think th- I- I've been talking to various people about this and uh, they say... Well, oh, you've been investigating it. I've been investigating it. I've been examining it, as, as we journalists say, um, and talking to various people about comedy. And they were saying the problem with so much comedy now is you can see the influence of of not very good podcasts on it and while uh-huh. i think that that the ramsey's podcast is incredibly popular um you know they're filling theaters and doing live tours it's a very wonderful thing but to me it was a radio show on tv which kind of pointless also the other thing about it, if you there's i suppose a lot of the audience won't have heard the podcast i mean uh you know it's hard to believe that people don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but <laughs> well, no, apparently, but you're wrong. apparently that's so. So you're getting a whole lot of people coming and asking, well, why? I, you know, Chris Ramsey, I haven't seen him on television for a few years now. Is suddenly popping up, you know, with Rosie in this other show, doing a completely different format, really. Or are they interview shows where they're doing it on the podcast? See, it's all very confusing. Well, I mean, I think most people who don't listen to podcasts will just think, oh, I remember Chris Ramsey as that really nice guy from Strictly. Or I think he's done a a Netflix or an Amazon, anyway, a streaming comedy special. But, um, yeah, and and they're such a likeable couple. But I have to say, as as a not married person who's been single for a very long time, I absolutely hate it. <laughs> That's yeah, just I, can see, I can see that. Well, I mean, there's a lot of audience they will only that day, but the, it was it was absolute drivel, wasn't it? They were talking about hummus pots at one point, and how he's sort of, you know, triple dipping into hummus pots, or he's got a collection of them some stored away in the back of the fridge. I mean, that was pathetic, wasn't it? Or am I, you know, I lost well, my sense I mean, of humour altogether. It is. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure if you. I'm sure you never have marital ding dongs, David. But I'm sure they'd be far more entertaining than this. I mean, uh, who was their guest? It was Jamie Lang from Made in Chelsea and his fiance, who who, who just happened who to have, uh, who just happened to have their own podcast as well. 
It's what a TV show eating two podcasts. That's basically what it was. Yes, yeah. I mean, yeah, the highlight of it for me was when Ronan Keating came on at the end singing Life is a Roller Coaster because I like that. But it of course, just you made it to the like... end. That sounds like you've made it to the entertaining bit. <clears throat> bit of fast forwarding. I mean, I I just think, um, you know, marital bickering is quite funny if it's your friends and they're quite amusing. And Chris and, and Rosie, they are really warm and you do like them. And he is a fantastic stand up. But marital bickering uh, over 45 minutes of primetime television. And certainly it was BBC Two as well, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, were, they had a plum slot. And also yeah. the, two chaps weren't wear, the two chaps weren't wearing any socks. So that's sort of standard slipping on the BBC altogether. Oh, oh absolutely. Absolutely. But um, it's, as I say, why, I mean, presumably, you know, the BBC, BBC Two won't be um, commissioning many more programmes like this when all the changes at the Beeb happens. I mean, I think it could quite have comfortably have been half an hour in like a 10.30 slot on BBC One after the news, but... Yeah, but yeah. I think we, we we've got to let we've got to let podcasts be podcasts, haven't we? And and TV has to TV has to deal with visuals. I mean, the visuals were incredibly dull. I mean, visually, a chat show is basically people sitting on a sofa, isn't it? Really, but you've got to have other you've got to have other stuff going in television, have you not? Or maybe not. Well, I mean, but this, you know, we, we remember great elements from things like Graham Norton Show, which is. Um, um, Benedict Cumberbatch doing an impression of various otters that look supposed to look like him. So you have to, <laughs> you know, you have to see that. Or um, I can't remember. There was one actor came on on a unicycle, and then they have sort of you know boxers doing those you know punch your weight machines. So you know, Graham Norton's team knows that you have to sort of you know have something exciting to look at. Uh, I think they've, the had, only... they've had yeah, they've had the red chair for years, which has been brilliant. I mean, the only visual element on the Ramsey thing was when uh, they got couples to bring in things that they wish their partner would get rid of. Oh, it's like, Lord, it's like it's like it's like it's like a bad session of relate, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> they should have a section called "Your Mother Never Liked Me Anyway" or something like that. Or take my um, mother-in-law. Yes. Please, yes. <laughs> God. Anyway, I'm giving that I'm giving that half a star, but then you had some entertainment that you watched because you got you got to the end of it. Well, I would give it two, but I mean, you know, clearly it isn't for me. It's not, you know, it's it's for sort of it's for young couples who like bickering. So I think people who've been married for about two years might kind of get on with it. And I like them so much, but the content, nah. conversation with friends have you been enjoying that no i've been hating <laughs> it why it's what young people are doing they're watching themselves on the television what could be wrong with that uh i mean it's like um it's like harold pinter's writing for bbc3 isn't it all those pauses all those spaces I mean, how how else do you get twelve episodes? I think that's. <laughs> well, I would like some clever person on YouTube to edit edit uh, conversations with friends, or rather, no conversations with friends, down to just the words, and that it would probably last about forty five minutes. But what about just um... the pauses? That could be even better. <laughs> Have you read any of Sally Rooney's books, David? 
I have. I've read Normal People. If, oddly enough, I read Normal People after watching the TV show, and I don't really recall why I did that, because I think I just wanted to see if it had as much sex in the book as it did. It's just sounding so creepy. If it had as much mm. sex in the book as it did on the television, of course it didn't. And I've started reading conversations with friends, and it doesn't really either. It starts in a completely different fashion. But the first two episodes were quite different in a way. I mean, they were dreadfully slow. And then in the third episode, it's it's sort of more normal people, if you like, in a mm. sense that, you know, we're back to the shagging. Um, you know, when they, she turns up at the actor's house and says, I, I don't want to be a homebreaker, but, you know, she's not there for a cup of sugar either, is she? Well, I mean, and I just think Francis, for it is she, isn't it? Um, She's yeah. so boring. I can't see why anyone would want to have an affair with her anyway. And she says to him quite plainly um, at the end of episode two that, you know, as a joke, that he doesn't have any personality. And the guy's sort of deeply wounded by that. I mean, I don't think many relationships would survive that even as a joke, would they? Well, I mean, I thought that was the best joke in the series because, well, I mean, I got through two and a half episodes because he doesn't have a personality. And, I mean... I, I, I mean, where do I start? I've been on Twitter all day complaining about this. You know, they call it conversations with friends. And it's just like the conversation I would like to have with that couple who live in the Swish houses. How can you afford this house? I mean, she's had one book published, hasn't she? And he's, we're led to believe that he's an actor and he's going off to Scotland to shoot something. OK, I mean, it might be. Who knows? She, it might be Outlander that he's going to turn up in on Stars Play. That'd be funny. Yeah, or it might be an advert for Tunnock's Caramel Wafers. We don't know, do we? <laughs> Brilliant. But, um, um, it's 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 just. I mean, I I just thought is is this is this, is this really BBC Three? Because I thought it seemed more like a BBC Two drama. Well, indeed, I don't know. I mean, we're getting we're getting more of this. I know we're getting because there's a launch next week of Dolly Alterton's Alterton's um, novel, an adaptation. Um, yeah, yeah, you I, the tra trailer, and it looks yeah, so everything I know about love, and it, that that just that looks like another Sally Rooney, doesn't it? Hmm. I mean, Dolly Alterton's got a massive following, you know, from podcasts and, you know, writing in the Sunday Times. But again, I just feel it's something that's not for me. I mean, you know, I just see uh, on the on the trailer you, you, you put up on Twitter and it's like got they're all hanging around in Camden Town. And I'm just thinking, oh, God, I was doing that in the 90s. You know, I just feel I've, I've kind of seen everything. But, it, you know, it does seem to be part of the BBC drama um, uh, going for the for the younger audiences quite yeah, aggressive quite you absolutely right i mean whether this is going to work i don't know i mean it just does seem to be attacking head headlong um netflix in a way which i suppose yeah. is is yeah. good if if but the bbc aren't attracting subscribers i mean it, that's not the way the bbc works and also to go to go so headlong into chasing one demographic just seems wrong for the license fee payer, I would think, which, you know, you're, you're meant to have something for everyone, aren't you, really? 
Yes, and it was interesting, I think, at the Voice the Listener and Viewer um, conference, Tim Davey, the Beebs Director General, actually said we are no longer going to be chasing that youth audience. And I think all the dramas now we're, we're seeing were made when they were chasing a youth audience. Yeah, I mean, as you say, there should, yeah. there should be something for absolutely everybody. And, I mean, you know, younger audiences now have a whole dedicated channel and, you know, stuff that's only available to stream on. On, on the iPlayer um, but maybe young people think there are too many kitchen island dramas where a married couple are murdering each other I don't know <laughs> I think it's the shagging strategy I think it's the sex strategy really that's winning out here said a prude oh, yeah. from London <laughs> <laughs> worried of Wimbledon yes um, it, it is quite sexy I mean, that's, I the fast- com- that's the commonality isn't it of all of these hmm. And, I mean, it will carry the day. I mean, I don't know about anything else. I mean, I, we, I haven't seen the Dolly Alderton thing, but I get get the feeling about what it's going to be like. Well, you know, they're celebrating, oh, we're off in our, you know, London house and enjoying ourselves. I mean, most people couldn't afford to rent a house like that, I would, I would have thought, or a flat. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I'll tell you what else I did watch last night because I love terrible um, reality TV. They've rebooted Embarrassing Bodies, but they've done it for E4, which means you've got younger Embarrassing Bodies. Uh, and I have to say, uh, I, I, I certainly saw something more of a young lady's downstairs anatomy than I would ever have expected to have done at, at 8.30 at night. Um, so clearly it's not just the dramas that are going for the sort of um, below-the-waist content. Uh, well, it's, uh, <laughs> it's E4 at its best, then, and finest <laughs> and fine displays. Oh, my gosh. Oh, right, well, I'm going to be avoiding that. And all readers of the Sunday Express will be avoiding it as well, I would say. Good, sensible people. Okay, well, uh, conversations with friends started well enough. I'm I'm still going to give it three stars in the hope that it might return to some sort of solid grounding, but um, I'm not holding out an awful lot of hope, though, to be frank. No, I mean, I'm giving it, I I don't, I think I'm with you, I'm going to give it a half a star because I actively loathed it. Um, So, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not 23 and gorgeous. So maybe I feel the same. And as we've said, the average audience, the average BBC audience is 50 plus, really. I mean, I don't think that's going down. I think it's going up. Mm, right. Well, we should, we, well we, we'll desperately try and find something we actually like. Um, there was a little bit more, there's a little bit more nudity in the time traveller's wife. I don't know whether you caught that on Sky Atlantic, did you? <laughs> Um, I yeah again that was something I just thought because it the book has become such a huge huge classic and it's already been made into a movie um, even I who have not read the book or seen the movie knew what was happening um, I mean it's it's effectively a woman marries a man who's a time traveler and he just keeps popping up at various elements in her life and I uh, I only watched the first episode but I couldn't see much of a story in it. I agree with you. There wasn't a story at all. There was a setup. I mean, it was mm. like that's the pitch, and then on they went. And also, I got incredibly confused until the captioning began, because <laughs> at some points you had the character, the Theo James character, in two time zones at once in the same shot. So I'm thinking, 
are you actually in a parallel universe or are you some other universe and then you're going to pop back into the other one? But I did have a discussion with somebody else as to whether it was a parallel universe and apparently it's not. It's just simple time zone travelling. <laughs> As it is. And I don't know uh, if they explained this because I, I didn't particularly enjoy, I didn't enjoy it at all, but uh, in the book he's supposed to have a genetic condition which makes him a time traveller. And because I'm not really into sci-fi, I'm just rolling my eyes here going, oh, for heaven's sake. Um, well, it, it didn't really go on, did it? And Rose Leslie's character just seemed quite fed up with him, really. I mean, until they went back to his apartment, which was a wreck. And then <laughs> there was such a lot about him cleaning the apartment at different points. I thought, well, this is just, that's not plot, is it? Oh, he, he's, a little bit, he's a little bit untidy when he moves from the 1300s through to the 1500s or something. Yeah, well, when, when, all, his, when all his clothes off and he starts vomiting, I mean, you're, whoa, what a catch, eh? Yes. <laughs> And where was his TARDIS, for God's sake? He has to travel in something. Well, I mean, this has been written by Stephen Moffat, hasn't it, adapted from the book? Yeah, absolutely. It was great to see his name next to something, I must admit, because he's had his feet up for long enough, as far as I was concerned. But um, I did, I, I'll, I'll give it a bit longer, just because I want to see how it develops, really. And it's a good cast, um, although it's utterly bonkers. I sort of want these sci-fi things to work, really. Yeah, I mean, I as I say, I just, I just, I, I'm afraid I don't clearly have no imagination at all, um, and I just find anything uh, just the way I feel about people who who read books, science fiction books, and fancy with maps at the front because I'm a I'm a snob. I judge that, so therefore I'm judging um, anything with so many captions that say, you know one character is 47 and the other one is 46 and, and they're moving about through time. I can't and be doing with it. I know, and the weird thing was that they weren't going back into ancient history or going forward, were they? They were just sort of going... It's a bit like going back to the Brexit debate or something, isn't it? And, and doing some time <laughs> travelling and, and, and engaging in the same old arguments again. That would be absolutely yeah. fascinating, wouldn't it? Well, I'll give it three and a half stars. There we are. I'm feeling really generous. You are generous. I'm going to give it two because it, and I, I just found out this afternoon, the guy that starts it, stars in it, is British. So that's nice. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Well, he was in Sanditon, as I recall. He was the, um, he was the hunk, using old terminology, in Sanditon. Oh, jolly good. Yes. Well, uh, he, was, he was convincingly American in this. So that, that was jolly good. There we are. And what did you think, we're moving swiftly on to Derry Girls, which gave us two episodes this week, uh, which I thought were very enjoyable and funny and touching. I mean, they did. I think she did a great job at sending the show off, actually. Well, it, it's not one of my series, so I've just kind of popped in. But, I mean, I know a lot of people are talking about the sort of finale, saying I've learned more about the Northern Ireland Agreement through this than I have anywhere else. And, well, you know, you, when you've got a comedy show like that, it, it must have some bottom, as they would say, and credibility. Yeah, absolutely. I think it did very well in that, didn't it? Because it engaged a new audience. And I mean, to have an episode set around the Good Friday Agreement, I mean, on paper, that sounds like something to run <laughs> from the room from, doesn't it, really? <laughs> I mean, was it? Tony Blair and um, Bertie Ahern. Yes, prob probably. But I mean, I, I mean, think it was. I 
it's been interesting. I mean, did it, did Derry Girls start? Was it kind of pitched as a teenage drama? I think it. I think it probably was set set during the Troubles, so that um, you had that sort of tragic comedy. Although that wasn't really explored. That did, she didn't really tackle that. I thought that the end of the penultimate episode was the only little cheap bit, if you like, actually being a bit strong in the language over uh, the death of one of the girl's fathers. Who we didn't, mm. I hadn't really got to know him as a character anyway. I thought that was a bit odd, but I think that's been based on real life. So um, that was a, that was a, a nice way of ending that the second to last episode. But also, I think it's only three series, isn't it? So I think it's you know it's quite. I'm sure it could have carried on and on and on. So I think it's quite brave to to finish it to finish it now. Yeah, absolutely. The Americans would have been flogging that for ten series easily. But mm. um, well done to Derry Girls. And I mean, there are talk. There's talk of a a spin-off, so fans won't be completely bereft. So that's good to hear. Yeah, and also fantastic earlier in this last series to see Liam Neeson in it. That was great. Oh, he was brilliant, wasn't he? As a sort of <laughs> as the local copper, wasn't he? Well, no, he was. He was. He was much better than the local copper, wasn't he? he? Might have been the superintendent or something, but he was. He had a he. He had a little twinkle about him, didn't he, in that role? Yeah, definitely. And I'd like to see him in the next series of Line of Duty. You know, as a sort of you know Northern Irish couple with the uh, with your man Adrian Dunbar. That would be good. Yeah, swinging in a room full of sort of corrupt detectives. That'd be very good. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> telling you. Little Mary and the donkey. Hey, fantastic. And Essex Serpent, I know you know the book, which has started on Apple. I caught up with that this week because I'd missed it when it, uh, it was first uploaded. And I, I thought it was quite hypnotic, this set among the marshes of, Essex, where this serpent may or may not be, and the and a vicar in denial over whether there was a serpent existing or not. I thought it had some qualities of jaws about it. The local mayor going, <laughs> "Well, I'm not going to do anything about it," you know. And while everybody else is thinking, "We're all we're all doomed," so I don't know whether that's a parallel anybody else thought of. But we're going to need a bigger coracle or a wherry or something like that. Yes, but you know, but it's got Tom Hiddleston in it, and that's that's good. That'll draw an audience. Yeah, he was very engaging as the vicar, but um, I, I've only watched one episode. But I did like, I mean, it was a, the old Victorian times were a bit of a hoot, really, where you had a doctor sort of leaning into someone's chest cavity to try some new technique of reviving the heart. And, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> brilliant. And so we had, we had all that going on, and it, the, the same doctor was doing demonstrations of other procedures while his sort of half-drunken medic mates are sort of, you know, hooting around in the background. I, I really enjoyed it, actually. And it just looked so hypnotic, shot in all the mist and fog. It really did. Well, and it, and again, it just seems, you know, that story is offering kind of something new. You know, the whole, the whole Victorian period was so exciting, full of new discoveries and stuff like that. And, it you know, and it can always offer a new perspective on something. Whereas so much drama, it's like, you know, please tell me something I don't already know. Um, yeah. And I think this did, didn't it? I mean, it was it was symbolic, it was involving, and it was well acted. I thought it was probably near to the show of the week, really. Oh, that's good because I mean, it, it, it's interesting that that's been a successful transfer from the novel. Whereas I know you and other people who've read Sally Rooney's novels, um, you know, um, 
conversations with friends, they say the thing about her novels is there's so much internal monologue in them that it makes it very difficult to translate to the screen. Um, yeah, absolutely. Essex Serpent clearly has lots of plot in it and interest. Yeah, you do need something plotty to work on television. Otherwise, as you pointed out, you've got yourself a Beckett play or Pinto, which, you know. <laughs> which most people don't really want on the telly of, of an evening. Not not really, not really. Um, I mean, how do you think Apple TV is doing, David? Well, I think it's done quite well. I mean, I I haven't watched an awful lot on there, but the morning show did well. Um, and also the Ted Lasso, the football comedy, I think is absolutely brilliant. The one set in the local football team, mm. the local football team in Richmond. I, I absolutely love that. So, I mean, they've had, they've probably had three really solid hits. But again, oh, I... it's the, the competition that's going to draw everybody to, to doing even better things, I think, really. I mean, and I, I don't have Apple, but I'd like to see that slow horses thing that based on the Mick Heron books about the uh, scruffy police people. Yeah, I mean, the, apparently, I haven't caught that. Gary Oldman's absolutely brilliant in it, apparently. Uh, mm. and there are plenty of Mick Heron books to go on with. So that's another. It's, it's, it's down to the adaptations, isn't it? They've got to be they've got to find the right way of attacking it. But if there's not enough plot, um, you're not going to make it visually entertaining enough on the small screen let's forget you can't have sort of lingering shots on the as you do on the on the big screen mm. and things it, it just it just won't work well i don't think it will anyway I mean, although we did have a little bit of that in essex in essex serpent but in a, i don't know i approve of that because it's historical <laughs> yeah absolutely it's not said it's not said in 2007 or something no, no, but um, oh no! I mean, say Apple is very interesting. I mean, I think Apple is one of the few things that doesn't really offer you a free preview because uh, I think you know, obviously, with finances being as they are, I think a lot of people are going to be streaming tarts. You know, they're going to have one subscription for a while and then milk it for all they can, and then go on to another subscription because it's yeah, going to be too absolutely. expensive to have loads on the run. Yeah, I mean, I mean, next week is a classic because on Friday we've got Obi Wan Kenobi starting on Disney Plus, and interestingly, they're not providing any screeners for reviewers or previewers to look at, which normally is, if it's a film, is a is a warning light that there's something wrong with it. I doubt there's something. <laughs> So, so all I can say to Disney, all I can say to Disney Plus is, it's a good idea to send out previews in case the whole message is misread by people like me. Yes, well, you know, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But uh, yeah, it's, anyway, it's, it's been a week. It's been a it's been a week for the for the for the young people's television, hasn't it? Let's face it. I mean, oh, a lot of the stuff we've talked David. about. Yeah, watching this stuff has made me feel really old and out of touch with young people. So, uh, so thanks, television. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can go I'm, back. And I'll leave I you can... with a final thought as some, some canny producer starts to work out how they can do Waggatha Christie as a TV drama. <laughs> well, it is a very successful podcast, so it's bound to become a drama, David. Indeed, indeed. Right, until next week, Claire, that was very enjoyable. Good, yes, I'll get my Zimmer frame out and pop home. <laughs> <laughs>